All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Just clicks leave meeting. Huh? <laughs> oh, instantly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the Me Music Podcast. On this week's episode, joining me and Tommy got the wonderful Jake House Lowe coming from Australia. How's it going, buddy? Oh, yeah, good. Howdy. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, bro, it's such a privilege to have you. Big fan, man. Um, I'm a huge fan of Felix Nebula, gotta say, even though um, I've like overplayed your first album. Uh, you tell me, am I gonna get some more <laughs> anytime soon? <laughs> I think everyone's overplayed that album by at this point. But yeah, uh, I don't know. There will definitely be more Helix at some point. But I've it's been so long that I've stopped giving any sort of estimation because every time I give an estimation that gets pushed back because we have things come up and so mm. I, I can mm. guarantee like we won't die without putting out another thing there is okay. more music that we've written and that we have like <laughs> going but I, I just have no idea when that's going to happen mm. <laughs> yeah well you you're like the excitement you want, was... you're going to be a busy guy you know, you, you've done lots of work. You you toured with Pliny. Did you do the backup to Top Wall, Pliny? Or were you just going alongside them? You did backup, right? Yeah, I mean, with Pliny's music, it's like, is it rhythm guitar or is it lead guitar? Who knows? It's kind of, it's kind of a little kind of, bit. Yeah, so, so we, we, he's obviously a guitar player. He is Pliny. But uh, yeah, he he's kind enough to give me lead sections and and things that are fun to play. But yeah, so we've got like I think we've got something like thirteen weeks of touring in the next eighteen weeks or something. So it's going to be full on for the next little bit. Yeah, you know, um, you guys, I think I'm pretty sure Peeny was doing a tour with Mitchett about a year ago, right? And you did an Australian New Zealand tour uh, with Zyteki. Am I correct? Yes, that was just before the pandemic. So that would have been 2019. Yeah. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Quite a while ago, yeah. I feel like the then, I feel I was, oh, sorry, the two years of the pandemic are just are gone, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. they, they don't exist. So it feels like it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we don't count those years. We, we forget them from our minds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> ignored. Um but yeah, with uh, <laughs> with, I, I was like so excited to go to that show, but you didn't have one uh, down south part of New Zealand. You only had off like Wellington, Auckland, kind of standard. And you had Zytechie with you over in Australia. And then when you came to New Zealand, he didn't come with you. You had the heavy metal ninjas. I was a bit heartbroken yep. by that. I was like, I'm not going to pay. As much as I want to see you guys again, I'm not paying for <laughs> heavy metal ninjas like 500 bucks for a flight up North Island. Ooh. If you had Zytechie, I mean, like, that's it. That's my three top artists all together. I've got to go. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like, uh, I think New Zealand is always awkward for people who come from a long way to play Australian yeah. tours because. Australian, Australian tours are usually weekend tours only. And then it's like, you've got to wait another four days to, for the next weekend to go to New Zealand. And so yeah. 
like because it's not that profitable to play on a tuesday in auckland you know what i mean um so <laughs> yeah absolutely man it's i mean why... like, that's, that's kind of the problem with the new zealand music scene is that because it is such a small population and because of the distance from any other land you don't get much or if any really international music artists come here to tour and the lack of cities means that when they do they only go up north island wellington and Auckland. So the music scene is not as buzzing here. Yeah, I feel like it only really works. It only really works if the artists are big enough to do like middle of the week shows in Australia, because then it's like, oh, you can spend one of those weekends flying to New Zealand. But so many of the tours we do, it's like the band will, who's supporting us will play the Australian shows and then go home because they can't afford to just sit around in one city in Sydney for four days waiting for the New Zealand tour. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's a bit unfortunate, yeah. but I mean, at least that we get to come by, over. That's by far the most exciting show that I've seen in New Zealand in my five years here. And I was just so upset that it didn't come down to the South Island. Otherwise, I would have instantly been there. It was, uh, it's quite a distance still between where I'm at, at like South South Island, to get up to Auckland. You know, it's, it's quite a distance. Um, it's funny, uh, I, I'm, I'm doing like a week week and a bit long holiday in new zealand after these new zealand shows we're about to play and wait, i'm not going oh, to wait, the south yeah. island for that very reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah like oh so are you you're coming to new zealand again i didn't know that are you going to be playing in south island at all yeah. now? nope nah, we're doing nah. we're literally doing auckland and auckland and wellington um yeah no one ever comes so, down here bro yeah no one ever comes down here it's a shame because it's beautiful, but I wonder if I'd be better in just even Yeah, I mean, I'd probably go see them if they came locally, sure. But oh man, I would have travelled for like my three top in the guitar world artists: Mitchich, Feeney, and Zayteki. So that's an incredible lineup for a show. That's mine's up. That'd be phenomenal. But, yeah, we. I mean, we've been really lucky with the lineup we've got to play. Like, it's always some of my favorite artists ever. So I'm always just like spoilt for tour matches. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. How does that feel actually being up on stage with like such big names now? Because I remember seeing Feeney when he was like kind of starting off earlier days, and now he's actually big. He's really big. You know? How's it like being part of that journey? pretty insane every time uh every time i've like every time he's told me the next tour we're doing i kind of don't believe it uh, or like every time he's like oh yeah we're gonna be headlining a u.s tour and i'm like are you big enough to headline a u.s tour and then it's like it sells out and you're like oh, okay and then it's like oh we're gonna be we're gonna be supporting periphery and it's like, big enough to support periphery oh okay it's like oh, we're doing a tour with between the buried and me it's like what um, and now it's like, oh, the next Australian tour where uh, Protest the Hero are direct support to us. And I'm like, really? Does that, does that make sense? And then you look yeah. at the numbers and you're like, oh, that does make sense for an Australian tour. He is that big here. Like, it's it's pretty crazy. But uh, it's been awesome going along with it. I mean, it's always surreal. Even, like, being on stage with guys like Jakob and David. Me, mm-hmm. I remember me and Simon, like, idolizing those guys back when we were in university and like listening to below one and just 
learning all the licks and being like, man, this guy's ahead of his time. And then now it's like we play with him and he's a cool guy and we actually get mm. to play his music live sometimes. And it's, so that's awesome. But uh, yeah. And even, I mean, on the last tour, the last Europe run we did, uh, Per Nilsson from Scar Symmetry came up and jammed with us. And it's like, he was literally in Meshuga for three years. <laughs> and yeah. I kind of put my mind. Yeah. So, yeah, it's always a, there's a lot of pinch yourself moments um, playing with Pliny, but it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. Absolutely. I think when, when was the first time Pliny was over here in the UK? I'm trying to remember. Was it 15? The first thing he ever did in the UK was Tech Fest in 15 uh, yeah. with, I uh, had Jakob on guitar, Simon on bass, and Malian on drums. Um, yeah, I was I was there for that. <laughs> and then I think the second Europe thing he did was the Animals as Leaders Intervals or Plintervals run. Um, was that 17? That was or... 16, I think. End of 16. Six... No, and... 16, yeah, yeah. So I don't think I toured Europe or the UK with him until 17, possibly. Um, yeah, I think it was the 17 one where it was Nick Johnston and yeah. Mitchett. Oh, no, just first. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I can't remember if our first Europe one was with Disperse or if it was with. I feel like the first one was with Disperse and Mitic. Um, I don't know. And then we did Nick and. Was it Nick and Mestis? Or was it. No, Mestis was with Archeco. I can't remember. They'd all, they all blew no. one in the end. But like, yeah, yeah, I bet. I bet they do. You've got, you must have been on quite a few at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, we were doing one Europe, one US minimum a year from 2016 to 2020. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I can never remember exactly which was when, but we did a lot of, a lot of really cool ones. Um, mm. Mm, so, um, like, so right now, I guess your focus is touring with Feely, right? Like, this it's a lot of tricky material. You've got to keep up, keep learning, uh, practicing his music. So, is that like your main musical focus and objective right now? Is to just be with the present doing this, rather than let's say like Helix never the music. Um, Helix is on the back burner only because. I mean, it first got put on the back burner because touring started and that was a big thing for me and Simon where it was like, wow, what is this? Like, this is a different world touring for three or four months of a year. And, mm. um, but at this point it's like, we know most of the songs that are in the set back to front, especially after the year of touring last year. So I'm, I'm, we're playing one song, which we've never played before on this upcoming run. So I'm learning that, but it's not that tricky. So I don't really need to focus too much on that until the week of when it's like, Oh, we have rehearsals and we really get into swing into the swing of it. Um, but I've got all my solo music that I kind of focus on and like Helix is kind of it. Helix is such a group process where me, Simon and Steven all need to be on the same page at the same time with free time away from anything else and the musical drive to do it. Um, and it's a lot, right? Yeah, we, to find a time where it syncs up with Simon's mixing commitments and uh, my teaching commitments, and then the touring with Pliny, and then Stephen working on his own stuff. And Stephen's only just mm. left his retail job that he's been in for however long, so he's got more time now. But up until the end of last year, he was flat out working full time. You know what I mean? So 
finding Steven's insane, man. Steven's crazy. I mean, Steven's the best shred guitarist on the planet. <laughs> I I would like to put him and Galen Stapley from over here. He, what a crazy guitarist. They, yeah. they, they would be insane together. Like, they're the shreds that I, I've seen Galen do KFO by Animals as Leaders at 150%. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I, I don't understand. But then you watch Steven play and it's like, oh, I don't know how to make my fingers move. <laughs> That's how it's felt watching Steven for the last 12 years. You know what I mean? The first time yeah. when me and Simon met him and jammed with him, it was like, okay, this guy's better than anyone I've ever seen. I guess we have to keep up with that. Um, <laughs> which is great. Keep us on our but like he's he's horrifying but yeah so getting helix uh together to get stuff done we've got a full album written we have recorded a lot of the guitars for it it's just the last four or five years it's been no time that all of our timetables sync up to to do stuff and mm -hmm. so maybe after this lot of touring i'll talk to simon and see if we can just block out a a little bit of time to get moving with it it's it's i think that's the main thing is that if we can find a small amount of time to actually get the ball rolling, it'll happen pretty quickly. It's not going to take a, a super long time to get an album finished because it's already mostly done, but it's just mm -hmm. yeah. getting that ball rolling takes a lot of motivation on all, all three of our parts. You know what I mean? And, and just the timing. So for me, yeah. I've just been uh, like, I, I'm always writing my own music, my solo music and trying to figure out when I can financially make that stuff happen. Cause it's like doing something on your own takes a lot more financial effort than doing something in a band. Um, no, yeah. and, uh, and then like getting, doing the Pliny touring, it's like just sheer time. You know what I mean? Uh, musically it doesn't need that much of my attention cause we know the music. Mm. It's not, it's not that tricky for us at this point to put it all together. Um, it's just, Hey, you're going to have the three to four months out of the first six months of the year. You'll be on tour. And I'm like, okay, I guess I won't be working on my own stuff or I won't be doing Helix stuff. Um, not that I'd ever complain about that. It's an amazing gig to have. But uh, yeah, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, I also teach uh, for my... Oh, do you? Like, um, do you teach more local or online? I pretty much exclusively teach online uh, with a few exceptions, but it's basically full-time-ish teaching of people who want to learn Pliny songs and Helix songs and guitar technique and composition and theory and all that kind of stuff. And so that undoubtedly takes a decent amount of musical energy. So mm. I'm maybe not writing as much as I would had I not been doing that job. But again, I can't complain because I get to talk about guitar constantly and earn money for it. So it's good. How much do you, how much, how much do you charge for an hour? Uh, currently I charge 90 Australian dollars, um, which is just, I think relatively reasonable. It's just the reality of living in Sydney, you know, like Sydney's an extremely expensive place. Uh, I'd say it's pretty reasonable from what, from yeah, my knowledge of reasonable. dollars and like, you know, yeah. on top of that, just yeah, like so, the level of experience uh, as well, your skill level plus. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the like, it's that kind of thing when people question people who are providing any service 
and saying, oh, wh why does why do you charge that much much if it's only going to take this long for you to mix my album? And it's like, well, I spent fifteen thousand hours learning how to mix, and you're paying for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah, you're paying for the expertise, kind of not not the time. Absolutely. Yeah, you're 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 paying for the fact that I've played guitar for like seventeen years and played music for close to thirty years. So mm. yeah, I, I play. I've played guitar for about 10 years of my life, um, less so the past few years. Um, but I'd be down to pay you for an hour just to get some like beanie techniques and go for that. That would be pretty cool. Um, oh, yeah, man. Any, any you want to make it happen? Yeah. Yeah. I'll hear you out, man. Because uh, I've, I've always <laughs> been a theory buff where I just always focus on theory and composition and never so much focus on techniques. Um, so that would be like where I'd like to push my myself in learning. Guitar. Yeah, I mean, I do. I do a lot of, I do a lot of technique work with students because I think I'm someone who I I picked up guitar pretty naturally, but I didn't pick up like extreme high level shred technique. Super, uh, like it wasn't organic for me. I I've really had to deconstruct and figure out exactly how the really good guitarists like Steven are actually doing things and, and like put those processes into motion, doing a lot of research. And also in the process of teaching, you just figure those things out and how to articulate them. And so I do a lot of technical work with people because I kind of have a relatively cohesive way of, of articulating the, the techniques that go into the kind of more complex playing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it takes a takes a lot of like working out over a long period of time when you're not when it's not just coming naturally like that. If, you know, you just gotta you gotta take on each of these little pieces from all of the individuals that you're you're playing with and watching along the way. Yeah, no, it's a, it's interesting. Totally. <laughs> Hard to articulate back out as well. I think. Yeah. yeah, that's a big thing. There's there's a lot of amazing guitarists, but not everyone is a is a teacher. You know what I mean? Teaching no, is a skill no. of itself. Um, mm. It doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with being good at something. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can perceive it without being able to do it and still, you know, explain. Oh, this is this is this, and yeah, you can still do that, which is interesting. Yeah. Now, someone like experience, do you find that there's just some people that you cannot teach guitar? Um. It's not so much that uh, there's people you can't teach. It's more, uh, the biggest thing for me is I find sometimes you find people who think they know more than they do or want to seem like they are. Sometimes you get students who will come to you and be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm really good at this. I just want to do this kind of thing and then you see how they play and you go oh well, that thing that you said you're really good at actually does need some work to, to mm. get you to the point of doing this other thing and it's it's kind of like a lack of self-awareness if that makes sense or or a desire to seem like like i get it if i went to a guitarist that i really admired for a lesson i may want to to prove to them that like yeah i'm i'm good at this and like praise me for being good at what i do but i'd much rather someone come into my lesson being like look, I kind of suck at these things. I might be good at some stuff, but I don't really know. Just show me what you think I need to improve and I will take that 
on board. And so sometimes you can get people who are a little more, um, they're harder to teach because it's a constant trying to prove that they are already good in some way. And it's like, well, you're here for a lesson. Let's both just go, let's just start with a blank slate and build from there. Um, but even those people you can, and it's rare you find people like that. It's just every now and then. And usually those are the ones that will do one or two lessons and then drop off because they either think they already, they realize that either they weren't prepared or they think they know how to do what they can do already. And what I'm saying to them isn't actually, they don't think it's helping them. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> the ones, the ones who stay on are the ones who are like just desperate to learn and desperate to take in anything and just want to play guitar because they love it. And yeah. like every piece of information they just absorb, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You do have to do music out of the love, don't you? You can't, you can't half ass that. <laughs> Yeah, if you, if you uh, have passion for it, you're probably not going to be able to pull it off because you have to spend a huge amount of time to actually get good at music. You know, um, I've been saying yeah, if you want to be really, if you want to be really good, you, you need obsession. Like, yeah, it has to be something that you're obsessed about. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. you, you just can't be as good as Stephen Taranto if you're not obsessed about music or guitar. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it's just yeah. that. That's the, and it's, unfortunately, that's one of the things you can't teach. You know what I mean? No. Um, Obsession. no. <laughs> it is what it is. Because mm. I've been doing, like, these jam nights at my flat with people who are not musical at all. Um, and I've kind of been showing them all the different instruments that I've got. And when it comes to either my guitar or cello, they generally just sound horrible and they try and rush it and they want to do whatever they want to play chords they want to be loud and it doesn't sound very clean at all but then you put them on something like a piano and it's quite easy to get them sounding decent not like particularly like, amazing but not so harsh and it makes me realize how much more difficult yeah can actually be than you kind of realize because that startup is so much harder to sound good which I can't yeah. forget. I, I mean, piano. Yeah, piano doesn't require you to uh, have any skill to create tone. I want to say hesit hesitantly, you know what I mean? Like guitar, mm. cello, stringed instruments, tone is so much in the hands and how you fret and how you like all of those things, you know what I mean? How you pick. Piano, while yeah, dynamics create a lot of tone and how hard you hit on a piano and stuff does change it. It's no, the bass level of tone on piano is much nicer than the bass level of tone on guitar or violin or cello or whatever. So yeah. yeah. It has its and own I, challenges. Like I always say theory between guitar and piano is it's really hard for some stuff because like piano, you have to learn 12 different keys back to front with different fingerings. And that's mind blowingly hard compared to guitar where you learn one key and then transpose it we're a transposing instrument. A lot of stuff moves around, but at the same time, if you're trying to think notes and theory, the guitar is like six differently tuned pianos in front of you. So it's kind of more <laughs> difficult in some senses. Yeah. I definitely find that with piano, I can quite clearly think in notes. And so that allows me to jump through different scales, modes, transition nice and easy. Whereas when I'm on guitar, that is extremely difficult to actually achieve. So I would, I, I would think more in terms of shapes 
on guitar rather than notes flows yeah. whatever you know so it, it, it's like a different for sure mindset going into each instrument for sure mm. um i find cello kind of similar to a bass guitar where i can actually start to think in notes again um cello is a bit easier because it's tuned in fifths compared to a bass tuned in mm. fourths um but yeah that I, maybe that's just personal i don't know uh, i just find it easier sure hey um i'm wondering assuming we hit well if we have your permission are we called to jam a, a track from helix nebula for sure yeah cool um i love the whole album you get like do you want to pick the song yourself uh whichever track you'd like us to play uh I mean, from helix what do i like the most uh <laughs> I mean, uh, how about you go go either Sea of Suns or Convalescence? Yeah, I'm going to go Sea of Suns. I think that's my favorite, bro. Easy. Okay, just think you
Oh, oh I'm getting like white noise in there. Anyone else? Are you hearing that as well? That was go. you, Jack, I think. <laughs> I, I just I wasn't getting that. Ah, okay. I don't know where that was coming from, but I could, yeah, I was hearing it. Just to get louder and louder. Yeah, yeah. That's I've true. had that happen. Zoom does that. Zoom does that weirdly sometimes, but I don't know what it's from. I, I don't know. <laughs> not not, not on mean, your end, though. Lucky man. <laughs> well, this is the same with the video thing today. Like, let's try this again. See how long this lasts, but it's just so strange. Yeah, ever since I've done this update today, we had a problem with the podcast earlier this morning as well. There we go. Searching. Um, um, like before we basically had no problems with Zoom whatsoever. Um, I, I got the uh Zoom one meeting account thing just because I really like how smooth it was, but probably have to change now. I've never had this problem. I've had the white noise thing happen before, but I have no idea why. It is it seems to be really random. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I do like the audio quality usually in Zoom. I find it quite clear to actually yeah. be able to hear people. And even in a recording, it's nice and clear. But, mm, there, there's, I don't have the world different options out there. I've got loads of people. Mm. Anyway, um, Oh, sorry to cut that, so I'm sure <laughs> I will put a link up to it. Oh, good, I've heard and, it enough. Uh, yeah, oh, mate, you know what? I, I I can hear it a lot more times, but yeah, I've heard it many times. Uh, and so that's a good um, a good sample for the listeners to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go check it out. It's an incredible album, actually. It flows so nicely. <laughs> it's just so... Thanks, man. I think that's one of the things I'm happiest with that. It's like that album is so scattered and like frantic all the time and somehow it still flows and is like memorable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that, that like that really comes from, I I mean, do you guys know the Arusha Accord? Yeah, I do. Yeah. When, how much I absolutely punished the Arusha Accord album in like 2010 and <laughs> how much I just absolutely ripped off from them. I love those guys, and there is so much Arusha record in like the Helix DNA. Um, that if anyone yeah. wants to know where I stole heaps of stuff from, go check out that album. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so that's so funny to hear. Like I, I remember smashing that album out a little bit as well. But like it's just, it was like ages, man. That's so so crazy. Yeah, there were two, two two obscure British bands that like were massive influences on me. One was the Arusha Accord, and one was a band called The Boy Will Drown. Um, oh, okay. I don't know if you've heard them, but they were like a techie kind of prog grind band, almost prog. I don't know if you call them grindcore, but like prog death metal, maybe. I don't know. They were yeah. really weird, aggressive band, but their, their time signature changes and their like sense of harmony and stuff. I was obsessed with it back in like 2009 and... Yeah, those two bands had a massive influence on the way I wrote the Helix stuff, and no one knows who they are now. So it's like, yeah. it seems like it came out of nowhere. But I'm like, no, I stole a lot of stuff from these guys. That's <laughs> hey, good. It's influence. It's influence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I do know the Boy World Drown, but I can't think of any of their music, like any of it. I know the I know the name and I just can't think of any of it. They had one EP and one album, and then 
they vanished. Their, their singer is an amazing tattoo artist now. Um, oh. But I don't know what happened to the rest of that band. I don't know where they vanished to, but... Um, yeah. yeah. Do you it's, know um, the Schoenberg automaton from... Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking of Jake, Jake from that. It's a crazy tattoo artist these days, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abstract something. I can't remember his That's Instagram. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that band. My old band, my deathcore band, played a show or two with them back in the day. Nice. Um, and that was always fun. Um, <laughs> back in my back in my deathcore years. <laughs> oh no. Go on, what's your deathcore band? Go on, where's, where's that gone? You gonna, you gonna uh, blast that out there? <laughs> it was it was called Point Below Zero. And it's like you were point got a bit of a nah, you were point below zero. I know that band as well. Oh jeez. Oh, okay. Give me one second. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that makes gotta, so much gotta... sense. <laughs> Yeah, stack of the vinyls there sitting around because <laughs> um, I'm a mild vinyl collector and I was like, yes, I need every variant. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, oh. so that was that was my death call, Ben, and we played some shows with the Schoenberg Automaton and they were they blew my mind when I first heard them. I was like, how is an Australian band making music that's this technical and this like weird? You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. seriously. Th those guys did some incredible stuff they really did like it was it was a pleasure to see them play with uh hush effect over here they did yep. that little run over here that was great man. they were awesome yeah really cool point below zero dude that's crazy yeah that, <laughs> I, I feel like uh i'm old i'm like 33 i just turned 33 and i've got lots of projects under my belt that just have kind of gotten some form of cult classicness, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. no one really knows I was in any of them, but kind of people have heard of all of them a little bit, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I I remember that that EP very well. It's like yeah, I, I I've forgotten about it to be honest with you, but it's it's in it's it's on a hard drive somewhere, you know. <laughs> One of those blogspot downloads that you you just download. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I went through Bandcamp pretty extensively at one point, so I was seeing quite a lot of stuff popping around. I mean, we we have six hundred monthly listeners on Spotify, so you're a small you're part of a small group that remembers it. But it's definitely, yeah. um, it's definitely cool that it has that. Like we put out that vinyl release mid last year. It's the first time it's ever been on vinyl, and it like. 250 copies sold out in like a week and i was like how are there enough people who know of this to to buy that you know what i mean that doesn't make any sense to me at all but it's it, like cds were going for 300 australian dollars secondhand and it was like this i have four of those sitting in my house why why are people buying these for that much you know what i mean um so it's, it's weird how that happens where, where you get that like cult following that's so great. Three hundred freaking dollars as well, man. That's insane. It's it's really weird. Um, oh, I mean collectors will collect, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. They do what they do, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Like oh. you gotta you gotta just start valuing yourself up more. What's this ninety dollar uh, what's this ninety dollar an hour shit? Come on, yeah. where's the five hundred dollar an hour? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's the thing. If everyone, if everyone, maybe, maybe I'd be able to, if, if all the projects I'd done weren't just like <laughs> different worlds and sporadic different groups and no one knows who any of the members are. Like we, me and Steven, me and Steven both still get people being like, you were in the Helix Nebula. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so it's like, we've both gone on and done other stuff and I've gone on and done other stuff and people who were into those things back in the day just have no idea that we've yeah. either done new stuff or that people who find us now didn't know we were in those things. Yeah. 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 That's going to happen, isn't it? Cause you know, you're, you, you get found at different, different points along the way. Um, exactly. You did, you worked on the cake album, didn't you? The Odyssey. Another one that a lot of people, when they find out, they're like, what? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw you in the credits and I was just like, of course, of course <laughs> he is. <laughs> like, I mean, on their, their album before that, the the B sides album, Other Slices. Oh yeah. Um, I think I'd gotten to know Jack somehow online. I don't remember how I got to know him, but uh, I think I messaged him on MySpace or Facebook and was like, "Man, that slice the cake EP is really sick. You guys are the best." And mm-hmm. and he listened to. I think he probably listened to Point Below Zero or Helix and was like, "Oh man, you're sick as well. Let's let's just. I'll send you some tabs. Let's jam on some stuff." And yeah. I think I ended up co-writing two or three of the tracks on other slices there's literally a song called nebulaia cake which is the helix nebulaia cake um yes because yes. uh, that was the first one we co-wrote on and i think after doing two or three songs on that album jack was like we're we're getting along really well musically let's i've got at the early on the odyssey album was supposed to be like three or four different eps and he was like yeah. oh, like three eps i've been working on let me send them to you and see if there's anything you can do with them and I think I probably ended up working on 75 or 80% of the songs on that album. Um, I think Jack had like two or three that were fully finished before I got to them, but most of them were a pretty, pretty collaborative effort between me and him from a, a writing standpoint, which was that, that the writing process for that was one of the like most insane purple patches of my writing life. Like we wrote that whole album together in probably a month and a half. Um, just like sending wow. back and forth constantly every day. And it, it just came together really quickly. So um, that's, that's insane. Like that, that, that album is, you know, so intensive and, you know, it's such a, it's kind of how I get with Steven when we're writing Helix stuff or any, anything that well, and I about me and Jack bounce off each other so well. Um, that it's like if one of us lo- runs out of steam, the other one takes over and then it reinvigorates the other person. So it just kind of, once the train starts rolling, you don't stop it. You know what I mean? But there's not, I don't, I don't see any, uh, many acts really doing that. I don't, you know, it's usually sort of one, one sort of person that's kind of, you know, mashing it all up and then here, here, come together and help me out just like you know flesh it out almost with a couple extra people maybe you really have but, to be willing to like yeah i have to, i feel like before you go into a process like that you have to know everyone involved has let go of form of ego and on look if you don't like the idea that i i then i can always use it somewhere else like it's not the end of the world if that sucks and if you think that my idea is great, but you could make it better. That's what I want. Yeah. I, like I want 
final result. And if you change it and it does make it better, I'll be like, yes, let's go. Like, and I'm lucky with both Jack and Steven. It was very much a like, uh, not really sure about that thing. Let me try something else. And you go, yeah, okay. Mm. Or yes, that's exactly what we needed. I know what should come next. I'm going to keep riding. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. It's um, pretty, uh, pretty, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's magical to work with just like such a product like the, the ego. And at least musically, I know there's other people involved in all of this as well, obviously, especially with, with Kate being, you know, a vocalist yep. and the stuff in completely other countries was just... And they, they absolutely lifted that album up, you know what I mean? Like, um, without that vocal performance and that entire production, it, it wouldn't be the album it is. Um, it, yeah, it, it's, it's the same with Helix. Like, Sea of Suns was me, Stephen, and Simon writing together, but uh, like four of those tracks were basically just me writing with Simon, kind of contributing some production ideas and bass parts. Um, and then Crystal Plains was mostly me and Stephen writing together. But it's like Simon's bass playing and production approach has a massive impact on the whole album. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Simon's a just a, a hell of a, a hell of a performer as well. So, like, I don't know totally. that you, you guys have got such a great presence between you all. Like, I've not seen Helix, obviously, but it, I've seen Simon. I've seen you, seen you live as well. So, yeah, do, I mean, yeah. always good. I'm very lucky to have been surrounded by so many ridiculous musicians. I don't know how it happened, and <laughs> but I just seem to know every one of my favorite musicians of the modern era and and get to play with a lot of them so it's like it, it's pretty it's a pretty good position to be in have we lost jack jack are you still there <laughs> maybe we lost him oh no i'll check i'll check Hold on. see if i can get a message going. oh he's here excellent <laughs> he's just dealing with zoom issues probably oh, okay okay <laughs> zoom, oh, no. not sure why you can't hear me <laughs> let's just let's just talk for him through through message box still <laughs> oh man it's not it's not your day on zoom jack <laughs> <laughs> and I have those days where it's just like <laughs> it isn't working and I don't know why and nothing I do is fixing it well, it's, the, it's an update on his end supposedly it's just completely messed it up for him oh. yeah this is why I never update my Mac <laughs> oh, is this it? is this <laughs> Every one? Time I bet can you hear me? My... yeah oh thank god yes. <laughs> this update has completely destroyed my Zoom I, don't, I have no idea why but and i just love the that you've been saying things and we've been ignoring you for the last like 10 minutes and <laughs> yeah you're just like, I, I had no idea i was just like oh okay, well, I maybe, nice maybe i'll just let them talk it out you know and then then you're like hey is jack here I'm like, yeah guys oh shit <laughs> you can't hear anything I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot of time. 
<laughs> oh, that's actually hilarious. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Jack. That was too funny. I was too into this conversation. I was like, when can we when can we interject with Jack? And I was like, wait, honestly, I, I was I was really into it and I was listening, just like really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't actually know that you guys couldn't hear me. <laughs> just like agreeing and yeah, keeping it up <laughs> Not... with it. That, that's quite funny. Mm. Yeah, I do have to say a big apology for this show because I'm a bit upset that I can't have a video and my audio is also slightly bugging as well, which is a bit of a shame. But nonetheless, it is great that I got the opportunity to sit and um, actually just, you know, talk with you, uh, hear about your projects, hear about your journey as Helix and as with Pliny. Um. Man, I'm happy to talk like it's I I spend my days ranting about musical things, so I'm happy to just sit and sit and chat. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. Like what I mean, like, because you're already like playing with you know, people that you love so much and you're already, you know, kind of uh established yourself as a musician. Is there like some of a tier that you you inspire to achieve is there something you're still going for yeah i mean for me the main goal is to get my whether it's whether it's helix success or i i guess it, it'll be a combination of helix success and my own personal solo music uh i just want to get that to a point where it if i can get my own solo music to a point where it essentially funds itself that's mm -hmm. kind of the goal that i'm looking for it's like because i to live i need to teach like six or seven days a week uh and i have a good schedule i, I can book my own schedule it's entirely on me how much i want to teach or how little i want to teach um but like it would be nice that to to know that i could if i go oh i want to do a nine track album to know that I can afford to hire a drummer, afford to hire someone to mix it, afford to get the artwork that I want, afford to do a film clip, afford to, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, all the myriad expenses that go into creating a release that if you're on a label, it's probably sorted, but then you never end up seeing any money back from it. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a band, you're that's being covered by four or five people. Um, it's really hard to do that as a solo musician, I think. Um, and like, I don't have the drive or the, the time to learn how to mix to a point that Simon has, you know what I mean? Or to yeah. learn or, or Adam Bentley, who I get to meet a lot of my solo stuff. Like that's not a thing. It sure it'd cut a lot of costs, but it also, it would also be the next five years of my life spending all my spare time learning to mix. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I think just with the standards that I have for, the music I want to put out, if I can get my solo music successful enough to a point that it will fund itself. Cause right now it's like, you go, Oh God, if I want to do a five track EP that I'm going to have to spend, I don't know, between five and 10,000 Australian dollars to make it happen on the level that I want to make it happen. Right. And mm -hmm. how, when, when can I afford to put five to 10,000 Australian dollars towards that upfront with the hope that it will, come back to me and like yeah it, i'm i'm probably successful enough that within six months to a year i'll earn most of that back through streaming through bandcamp sales tabs whatever but like that's a large chunk of money to have up front to be down when you're a 
an independent musician, you know what I mean? So it's constantly to get my own music out to more people and to have mm. it get to a point where it's like, I know when I put music out, it's going to fund itself and, and will allow me to do, make more music kind of whenever I want. Cause if, mm. if the financial side of creating music wasn't a thing, I'd probably be putting out new music every three to six months, depending on how much stuff I write. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, I have all these different projects that I have ideas for. Um, I probably have, I don't know, 20 plus songs of different styles, like a, an album here, an EP there mm. that I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. But it's like, do I want to bother spending the time recording it if I don't immediately have the funds to hire a drummer to play on it and then to hire a, a, a mixer to mix it at the level that I want it mixed at? You know what I mean? And and there's always going to be people who are like, oh, just cut costs and do it cheaper and I'm just like, is it worth it for me to do, to, to put out a, something that's not at the quality that my last EP was, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I just don't think that's worth it for me artistically, if that makes sense. Yeah. I yeah. think like, I think the major problem, well, difficulty that should we say all round with anything to do with music is just the affordability, which is something that like was always kind of my vision with me, music, because it can be very hard to, you know, especially if you're young just affording instruments then it can become very hard to afford you know uh, lessons constantly or to be educated in music mm. and then as you get older it's, it's still like to even if you want to be a musician to kickstart it up it's not something which you can just do for free it's an expensive passion and to actually turn it into a something which is going to generate revenue for you you have to actually pay first. You have to put a lot into it. You have to put into the marketing at the end of that, you know, before that you have to get all the right equipment. You have to get the recording, the engineering down. It's something which is. Yeah. Well, I, I, like, I have to break the news to many students, break the bad news that like, if your goal is to be an independent musician, you probably won't be able to do that if you're expecting your only form of income to be your music. Um, yeah. That's just not feasible. And, and like, I, I saw an artist, a visual artist say something in a Q and a where someone was like, Oh, how long did it take you to become a successful artist? And this is someone who's got a few hundred thousand followers on Instagram and seems like they're doing work. And they basically said, I'm not a professional artist. I'm a professional educator because they make their money from doing YouTube education videos, from teaching lessons, from doing courses. They don't make their money from the creative part of what they do. They don't make enough to survive off their art pieces. Mm -hmm. They have utilized their art pieces to garner enough of a following that allows them to monetize in an educational sense. And that's basically where I'm at. It's like, I don't make anywhere near enough money to survive off my own music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, I make money from touring and from teaching and both of those things are facilitated because I have done my own music. I wouldn't have either of those gigs if I wasn't, if my music wasn't semi-successful, people wouldn't come to me for lessons. And if like, if I hadn't done cool music, Pliny probably wouldn't uh, have gone, Hey, you're a cool guy and a friend of mine, but you also are good. At um, so, yeah. so it's like, uh, I'm a professional educator at the moment who happens to have a little bit of side income from, from music or whatever else. Um, yeah. 
And and so it's it's one of those things where I get students being like, how hard is it to become a professional musician? And I'm like, well, if you think I'm at like, or, or they you'll you get people asking questions like, oh, you're a successful musician. What's it? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, am I a successful musician? Like I, I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in. Like I, I would never tell anyone otherwise, I, like to get mm. to tour, to get to perform. That's more than I could ever have imagined or hoped for. Yeah. But that was kind of the point, the fact yeah, that you... yeah, exactly. Like that's great. But also I'm, I'm not in a position where I could stop teaching and, and still survive. That's, that's to me what uh, a professional musician is. Um, is someone like what, what a lot of people think a professional musician is, you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. an independent musician. Like I, I think a professional musician is anyone who makes money from any form of music, mm. which is great. But a lot of people go into it seeing like, Oh, you tour and you have albums out. Therefore your, your music must be successful. Yeah. And I'm like, well, on what scale? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I, again, I'm blown away that I have, I don't know however many thousand people who listen to my music every month. It's mind blowing to me that I have any form of following, but at the same time in the industry we're in right now, that's not enough to survive. Um, so that's kind of the, the endless goal is to have my own solo music be uh, self funding. If I can get to the point where I know there's no chance of me losing money on a, on a solo release um, or it earns me enough money that I can save up to do a release very quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Cause like five or 10 grand is a lot mm -hmm. to just sort of front out and just be like, it'll come back. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, I'll yeah. have that back in a year or 18 months or whatever. It's like, yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> it, it, can it, I loan myself? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. It's like, can I afford to loan myself this money? Um, yeah. And like, I don't think it's something that's worth taking a loan out over. You know what I mean? I don't want to take an actual loan out and then be paying interest back. Cause you know, the, the big, the big problem for someone who is not already a successful artist. So you look at, you look at someone who is quite successful with their music. Uh, they have an inbuilt fan base that will spread their music regardless of how well it gets picked up by a social media algorithm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if, if I had a hundred thousand followers on Instagram compared to 20,000 that I have or whatever it is, the, mm -hmm. the, even that like the algorithm of every social media platform is horrible unless you happen to tick the boxes that that social media platform wants. You know what I mean? And so if you have a, a much larger following, even if the algorithm doesn't pick you up straight away, you probably have enough, people that do see it and do happen to click like that that will then trigger you into the algorithm and and make it more it's like a steamroller thing you know what i mean like it's a domino effect um whereas i feel like a lot of artists are at a point where it's like yeah i look like i've got a following but will the algorithm allow me to access that following like how much do i need to spend on advertising through facebook instagram whatever to actually reach that following to get enough interaction to then trigger the algorithm to make to to push it into other people's feeds um and that's entirely random it seems when you are at the level i'm at I, like i can't guarantee i can put out music that i think is way better than anything else i've done and i can't guarantee it will do as successfully 
not for any reason of people not liking it, but purely because it won't get shown to as many people. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where do you, do you gamble on a loan hoping that the music hits an algorithm somewhere and get, gets successful and popular and gets, gets playlisted on a Spotify playlist? Uh, you look at the EP I did with I Built the Sky and one of those songs got put on the progressive metal playlist and it has 700,000 plays. But you look at the EP I did before that on my own, none of it got playlist and the most any of those songs has is 50,000 plays. You know what I mean? So it's like the, the difference in terms of how much exposure you will get is completely random. So yeah. the goal is to get big enough that you can bypass that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. I think we lost Jack again. <laughs> oh, it's better without him anyway. <laughs> oh, 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 the pains, the shots. Oh, shit. <laughs> I just heard like a ding, ding thing and I thought it was yours. And then I saw him like messing around with the, with the mute button. <laughs> Where are you, Jack? Please. He's lost to the ether. Oh my god, this is crazy. Oh, it's just such a pain. I hope it's recorded. I mean, it says it's recorded still. It's just, this is so hilariously weird. I'm so confused, like, constantly. Uh, worst case, you can just, I'm sure I'll have talked enough that you can put together a supercut of just single words of me and make me say whatever you want. Oh my god, we're gonna go. What's the? What is that? Deep faking. Yeah. Oh wait. Oh my god. Hold on. He's, he's messaged me. Uh. He needs me to close it. Uh, oh, <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh, he said. He says. He says he's sorry. <laughs> All good. Yeah, it's, it's it's rough, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think we'll probably we could probably call it at that, man. I'm shattered. I can't believe it's this early for me and doing all this madness. But it's been real cool chatting with you, man. Like it's been and happy to be here. Um, yeah, yeah. Feel free. Uh, to- if he wants to jump back on for a little bit, I'm happy to. But yeah, totally cool. Yeah, I mean, we we could we could try and we could try and pop out and pop back in. He can he can splice some videos together. We can see what's up. Yeah, if he wants to do that, that's totally fine. Not stressed. Um, but if you want to call it at that, that's also fine. So just let me know what you want to do. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a text in a minute. All right. Too easy, man. All right, man. Catch you tomorrow. Good chat. So. <laughs> yeah. You can. See you. Then.